The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Good day, everyone. Welcome again to another edition of Boomer Generation Radio. This is your host, Richard Address, coming to you from the studios of WWDB AM 860 here in Greater Philadelphia. And we're streaming live on WWDBAM.com. You can reach us at Boomer Generation Radio at gmail.com. And as uh, we remind you every week, these shows are all archived on JewishSacredAging.com, that website. We will be back with our first guest, uh, John Rosser from Weaver's Way Cooperative. We're going to talk some, just find out about what this cooperative movement is and how important it is in the changing environment in which we all live. We'll be doing that right after this message from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall Outreach. Kendall Outreach serves the field of aging by raising public awareness of important health care issues of older adults. And it provides education and training in the development and implementation of comprehensive approaches to safe, individualized, long-term care practices. Kendall Outreach has been sharing Kendall's approaches to quality care with consumers, advocates, providers, government agencies, and related organizations since 1989. To learn more, visit KendallOutreach.org. Welcome back to our first segment here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. And on the line, uh, John, are you there? I'm here. Good morning. Hey, good to hear from your. Good to hear you. And how are you doing today? Uh, I am doing great. Thanks for having me talk with you today. Great. We're, we're, let's explore this whole uh, cooperative thing. Your Weaver's Way Cooperative. First of all, where is Weaver's Way? It's it's around. It's over the river, right there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we are probably about 10 minutes from you guys. We're, um, uh, we have two stores in Northwest Philadelphia, uh, Mount Airy and Chestnut Hill. Okay. So let's get, what, what's, what's a cooperative as, as opposed to walking into my neighborhood friendly supermarket and, um, what's the difference? Uh, the difference fundamentally is in ownership structure. Um, the, the shopping experience really doesn't m- make a whole lot of difference whether you're walking into a cooperatively run grocery store or a family run grocery store or a corporate grocery store mm-hmm. um the the difference is that we are as a cooperative we are owned by our community um so we have uh, um we're incorporated just like any other business but like a, unlike a business that is say a family-run business that's owned by a family, or a publicly traded business that's run or that's owned by its shareholders, uh, Weaver's Way and co-ops like Weaver's Way are owned by our members. Are there? Is this a growing movement? I mean, across the United States, um, how significant of a movement are cooperative businesses? They are. Well, it's a movement that has been around for quite a while and there's sort of been ebbs and flows in terms of uh co-ops there was uh co-ops are, are pretty common in this country um uh going back you know to the early 20th century uh right. in fact Swarthmore co-op Swarthmore co-op in Swarthmore uh, has been around since the 1920s um Weaver's Way has been around since the 1970s when a lot of new co-ops um were founded and then even today 
there are new co-ops opening up, uh, the most recent being in Elkins Park, the, the Creekside Co-op, which opened up four years ago. And then there's startups uh, that are trying to get going in places like Kensington and South Philadelphia and Westchester uh, and around the country. Um, there are there are hundreds of different cooperatively owned businesses. We we are in the natural grocery business, and there are, I think, somewhere around 200 natural grocery co-ops from coast to coast. So and, and the, I move into an area, and uh, how do I get involved with Weaver's Way or a co-op? Um, let's say just let's stick with the grocery thing. Um, there's a membership fee. Uh, it, it, how does it work? How does it work? Yeah, well, I mean, most people get involved um, first just by experiencing the stores, like shopping in the store as a as a customer. And in that respect, your level of involvement really isn't any different than if you were shopping um, in a in a mom and pop shop, um, or for that matter, an Acme or a Whole Foods. Um, you're just a you're a customer of ours just as if you would be a customer to theirs um the difference is uh in in terms of the next level of, of involvement is becoming a member um which it's a real simple process for us and most co-ops it's a simple form uh, that you fill out with typical stuff name address phone number email all that sort of thing uh and then yes uh, you you called it a membership fee which is what a lot of people call it i, I call it a little different i call it um uh, an equity payment because it's not so much a fee like if you were to join Costco uh, or Sam's Club or something like that. Those those organizations, businesses like that, um, they charge a fee which gives you access to their building. Um, at Weaver's Way and at other cooperatively owned businesses, the money that you pay actually is your portion of the ownership of the organization. So it remains your money and it goes into your equity account and and it accounts for your your portion of ownership. And in a cooperatively owned business, no one individual can own any more of the business than anybody else. So in, in a co-op, uh, we, all, we all have equal ownership. So John, it's like... It, it, you know, this is probably a very, very basic question, so forgive me. Is it like buying a share in a company? Well, sort of. Um, in, if you buy, um, if you buy shares in a publicly traded company, you if you buy, if you have a thousand shares in Ford right. Motor Corporation, uh, you're buying those shares with the intention of it increasing in value, getting a return on your investment. Now, if you own a thousand shares of Ford Motor Corporation, and I only own a uh, hundred shares of Ford Motor Corporation, then you own ten times more of Ford Co- Corporation than I do. Um, where at a co-op, everybody has one share. Um, you or I or anybody else can't own any more of the co-op than anybody else, and we're putting that money in to support the organization, but we're not looking for a return on, on our investment. And that's the right. I got fundamental you. purpose of a co-op is, is to essentially exist to meet the needs of the people who own the place. They're not, they, they're not investing in the co-op to get a return. So if I, let's say, okay, I, I'm, I'm a member of Weaver's Way and um, I'm living in Mount Airy, and um, 10 years later, you know, I'm, it's time for me to move, and I move. So do I get that investment back? Do I get that, you know, met quote, that, that, that share back or that money that I've given you? Do I get that back when I leave? That's when right. I'm, yeah, that's correct. 
Yeah, the the money that you put in to the co-op um, remains your money. Like I said, it, it goes into your equity account. And then if you would cease to be a member, either because you were to move away or if you just decided, you know what, I'm not actually really shopping in the store, then, yeah, you whatever whatever equity you have, you take that with you. Okay, cool. So, so um, talk to me a little bit about why this um, you're sensing this is increase in cooperative businesses around the United States. Is there some trend that's really emerging? Is there is it is it just the idea of of really community and really people wanting to get together and build something or be part of something greater than themselves? And it's around, for your example, produce or you know f- food. Is what's what's yes. what's the motivation here? Well, I think that you you what you summed it up perfectly. I, I think that uh, we are a response to the trend that is happening in um, it all across the country, where there are fewer and fewer local owned organizations. And I mean, if you just think about the trend in I mean, pick grocery stores, where there used to be Acme was a big chain, but it was a locally owned chain. It was based in Malvern. Uh, and there was Gennardi's and there was Clemens. And then there was there were all those mom-and-pop grocery stores that were all over the place. And there's some of those still exist. But the vast majority, vast majority of, of, of uh, food markets now are big um, corporations, publicly traded corporations. Uh, um, Acme is just a brand name of, of Albertsons Corporation and um, uh, Giant and um, uh, Whole Foods and uh, I, I could go down the list. I mean, these are big publicly traded companies. And so, so the the what has happened, the trend has been a uh, an erosion of local ownership and local control. And this isn't just in the grocery business. This is in you know, the hardware business or uh, the banking business or whatever. And so co-ops are a response to that trend where we're attempting to to regain local control. Uh, and that's the beauty of Weaver's Way and co-ops like ours is that we, we're not for sale. We're not going to get gobbled up by some big national right. chain. Um, so so it, it's really, I would say, the trend, our trend, is counter is is trying to counterbalance the trend over the course of the last 25, 30 years that has seen an erosion of local control. Right. So it's like the the anti big box store mentality, which when you walk into one of those places and you, <laughs> my half life is about ten minutes because I get totally intimidated by like when I walk into a Home Depot, I have no idea where I am, and. Um, but the anti-big box store, and really, really, I guess, like this small business Saturday thing that they promote around Thanksgiving, is it part of this, you know, going back to a smaller, more intimate, more personal type of a business relationship as opposed to the big box store mentality? I guess you're part of that, aren't you? We are absolutely part of it. And I think that the, in, in that respect, we stand in solidarity with um, – with family-run businesses um, that, uh, you know, their ownership structure is different than ours, uh, mm-hmm. but it's fundamentally exactly as you just described. It's it's um, it's having a connection, a direct connection with the with the people who own the business. As a consumer, you get to know the people that own the business when it's a family-owned business. And we hear this all the time. Like people say, 
that they would prefer to go to a family-owned restaurant oh, as yeah. opposed to a Friday's or a Ruby Tuesday's or something like that. Uh, and, of course, it's intuitive. Of course you want that because you want that connection, and it's a better experience overall. And generally speaking, the food is better. And yet places like Ruby Tuesdays and TGI Fridays are thriving. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that uh, we we are part of that trend. That small business Saturday is, is a big deal for us, obviously. And um, it really is all about like trying to be a little bit more conscientious with where you spend your consumer dollars. Uh, and if you can make little adjustments and and try and divert money that you would otherwise spend at, say, a Home Depot and instead go to a Killian's Hardware or Stanley's Hardware or something like that. Like, that's the same kind of trend. And and when it comes to banks, instead of doing your banking with, you know, one of these big, huge banks that we all know about, and it, then instead go with a credit union. And a credit union is exactly like uh, Weaver's Way. It's a cooperatively owned business. It's a it's a, in the financing business as mm-hmm. opposed to the grocery business, but it's the same ownership structure. John, if there's somebody who listens to wants gets wants to get more information on a either Weaver's Way or the cooperative movement, is there a website or something that people can go to? Yeah, we we have a great website. It's weaversway.coop, coop, uh, and uh, and on our website you can learn about cooperatives, certainly about the history of Weaver's Boy, but about cooperatives in general uh, and uh, about like cooperative principles and um, yeah, understand a little bit about why we do what we do and why we're structured the way that we're structured. But I mean, if you heck, if you go on um, and just um, Google cooperative businesses, you could get, you could learn all That's about true businesses all around the country. I, I forgot the great God, Google, who knows all and sees all. Um, That's right. Yeah. Can, can, get you, can get you all the information uh, you want. We're going to be right back with John and talk a little bit more about this whole concept of cooperative businesses right after this message from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall Outreach. Kendall Outreach serves the field of aging by raising public awareness of important health care issues of older adults. And it provides education and training in the development and implementation of comprehensive approaches to safe, individualized, long-term care practices. Kendall Outreach has been sharing Kendall's approach to quality care with consumers, advocates, providers, government agencies, and related organizations since 1989. To learn more, visit KendallOutreach.org. Welcome back to our first segment here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. And we're with John Rosser, the um, manager of uh, general manager of Weaver's Way Cooperative here in the Delaware Valley, two, two locations here in the greater Philadelphia area. Uh, how difficult is it? Somebody may be listening to this or picking up the podcast. They may be sitting in Des Moines or, or uh, Ashtabula. Um, or better yet, given the weather forecast of Florida, uh, what, 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 how, how difficult is it for a group of people who, to start a cooperative business, John? Uh, that's a good question, and it, it depends, I think, to some degree on um, what kind of business they're trying to start. I mean, cooperatives exist to to meet a neighborhood need, and I mean, basically, what, fundamentally, what it's about is neighbors 
identifying something that they need and pooling their resources together in order to 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 make that need. And the the example that I always give is a silly example, but it's true. When I was a kid, my dad, my father, who was a Philadelphia public school teacher, didn't make a whole lot of money, uh, and two other guys in the neighborhood, uh, th these three men decided that they needed a shop vac, you know, a, like an industrial vacuum cleaner for their workbenches. And um, money was tight for all these guys. They were young guys. And uh, so they didn't need their own shop vac, so they pooled their resources together, and they, they chipped in, and they bought a shop vac, which they owned they owned cooperatively, and that really is fundamentally what a co-op is. It's neighbors identifying a need. In this case, it was three neighbors identifying that they needed a shop vac, pooling their resources together, and, and in that respect, it's real easy to start a co-op, right? Mm -hmm. Now, instead of three neighbors, if it was 6,200 neighbors, and instead of a vacuum cleaner, it was a grocery store. Well, that's kind of what Weaver's Way is. And so it's a little bit harder to get something like that off the ground. You need more money. You need more organizing. You need more people. You need some people with some expertise about when it comes to run a grocery store. Uh, but the good news is, is there's a lot of resources out there um, to people who are interested in starting a co-op in their community regardless of whether it whether it's you know we we want a grocery store or we want a whatever a bowling alley or a auto mechanic or whatever a cooperatively owned business can be just about anything so long as it's neighbors identifying what they lack right now yeah i think it's very interesting that that we're having this conversation because we've had a couple of conversations on boomer generation radio in the last oh in the last year about this growing trend of uh, the village to village movement for older adults, which is, you know, um, neighbors getting together and really, uh, establishing an organization. There's a national organization that can, that, that advises out of St. Louis and we've had the executive on, on the air, but to really form an organization that takes care of each other from everything from getting somebody to change a light bulb to getting somebody who I may need to drive me to my chemotherapy appointment. There's this, I guess there's this trend slowly but surely developing in the country of really returning to some sort of intense personal relationship communal type of organization as opposed to the big corporate mentality that seems to be pervasive. So it's it I, I guess you're part of that and that's a uh, that's a good thing uh, that that people do want push comes to shove they want to feel like they count for something and I guess they feel like they're not some just cog in some especially I guess with people who work in the corporate world don't want to carry that over into their private world I, and I imagine you see that in in Weaver's Way and other cooperatives because I'm I would guarantee what little I know about Weaver's Way from growing up in Philly and and some of these things, it's it's very personal, and you're very involved in the community, if I'm not mistaken. Am I correct on that? Yeah, we we operate our business on uh, we're a triple bottom line business, and you know when I when I interview people, um, I ask them if they're familiar with triple bottom line businesses, and sometimes they are, but usually they're not. Mm -hmm. And and certainly if I interview someone who went to business school and I say, hey, did they teach you about triple bottom line businesses, they look at me funny, like, what the heck are you talking about? But yeah, so we, what, what are you we operate about? on a triple bottom line. <laughs> yeah, what am I talking about? So that's, it's it's uh, people, planet, profit, basically. So, oh, okay. I mean, 
fundamentally what that means is all of our business decisions uh, have to make good financial sense, just like they do in any other business. Uh, we have to be uh, responsible financial stewards of our organization. But in addition to making good financial sense, they have to make good um, community sense and they have to make good environmental sense. Um, and so we do an awful lot in our communities, uh, in part just because it, it's it's good for business to do that, which is why, you know, the the mom and pop grocery store always um, sponsored the local Little League team because it right. was good to do that because, you know, it was good for business. Um, but even beyond the, the business justification for being uh, a good community corporate citizen uh, is the fact that it's actually hardwired into what we do. Like we, we are – we're an organization that – uh, our decisions have to make good sense for the community, which is why we have so many community partnerships. And for us, that's fulfilled in large part uh, by the vendor relationships that we have. We sell a tremendous amount of locally grown and locally produced food. Uh, and so community partnerships are making sure that, you know, the, the local bread maker, the local ice cream maker, the local cookie baker – or the local hummus maker, or the local farmer, all has access to our members through our stores. Right. My that's my understanding that you know, just for the, just for the sake of argument, the produce thing, the the co-op is more likely to to do business with the farmers in Lancaster County or the local people rather than you know a, a larger. I don't know how the system works, but all the co-ops I've been in, they always push that these are local local artists, local um, farmers, local produce, local people contributing to the community. So I guess one of the strengths, is it not, of, of the co-op movement? Yeah, it is. And and it, it's a tricky business when you're when you're running what amount to full service grocery stores, um, it it means Certainly, we want to have as much local product as we can, um, but when you're talking about um, running a full-service produce department in January, well, guess what? I mean, a lot of that produce has to come from, from Chile. pretty far away. Yeah, right. Yeah, if you're going to have blueberries in January, they're not they're not coming from Jersey. Um, <laughs> That's so, a very, very cold blueberries. Yeah, they cold blueberries. <laughs> Um, we do try and uh, emphasize local, and and because we're relatively small, we we've got um, a, there's a certain limberness to what we do, and we we can we can um, work with really small vendors in a way that the big guys just can't. I mean, they because those small vendors can't su support the volume that the big guys need. So before we start running out of time for this segment, it's a real thing. Um, you don't the marketing aspect of Weaver's Way or, or, or organizations like Weaver's Way. You you can't compete, I guess, marketing wise with advertising on, as the big stores do. So so you just basically market to the several thousands of people who are members of the co-op, or do you try to expand that? Yeah, that's well. It's true what you said. Of course, is we don't have the the marketing budget of our competitors. No doubt about it. Um, and that um, that means that we have to work extra hard. Uh, we do have marketing dollars that we spend. We run ads in you know local newspapers local and uh, yeah, lo yeah, typically yeah. I mean, once in a while we'll run an ad in the Enquirer, but not too often. Um, but uh, you know, we'll we'll more often you're li you're liable to find a Weaver's Way ad in like the um, 
the playbill of your uh, of your kids' high school production of oh, uh, okay. South Pacific or whatever. You know, that that's where <laughs> our advertising dollars wind up going. Um, but yeah, it's for us, it's um, it's the differentiation of shopping in our stores, and so we have to do a really good job because we don't have those advertising and marketing dollars. We have to do a really good job when it comes to making sure that when people come into our stores for the first time, uh, that that we deliver an exceptional customer experience. So that's what we pride ourselves on. So let me let me we're going to be out of time soon. Let me just ask you this one question because it it, it I think it really resonates to what's happening. These are, uh, I would say, I guess it's an understatement for many people, challenging economic times. And um, probably these challenging economic times, and I'm being generous, it's probably going to continue for a while if all the reports that we're reading and, and statistics. Do cooperative stores like yours, like the cooperative programs like Weaver's Way, um, is this an opportunity for them to really make an impact in various neighborhoods who may not have access to full-service institutions or grocery stores or supermarkets? Is, is the cooperative movement one of the ways that we can reduce this inequality of access to, to let's just say, fresh food? Uh, I think so. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sort of devoting my life to it at this point. It's it, To me, it, it matters so much um, – grassroots community organization around their own economic independence, um, sort of taking charge of uh, their their own communities and saying, okay, let's not rely on the whims of corporate America to decide whether or not they're going to put a store in our neighborhood. Let's 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 make our own store. Right. Uh, so yeah, I think that that it, that matters profoundly. Uh, certainly, I think it's a, we've proven that it can be a successful model when it comes to grocery stores. But it can really it can be a successful model when it comes to anything. Um, whatever a neighborhood lacks, um, the neighborhood can address that lack of whatever through cooperation. Wow. So John Rosser, the general manager of Weaver's Way Cooperative Association here in greater Philadelphia, thank you very much for your time and some of your insights here uh, on a very, very fascinating concept. And uh, wish you continue good luck with Weaver's Way and much happiness and enjoy the holiday season. And just thank you again for being part of uh, Boomer Generation Radio today. Take care, John. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Bye. Take care. Uh, as we move into our second segment, uh, we're getting ready to speak with uh, Jerome Kerner from the Saging Movement, uh, one of the more dynamic aspects of organizing older adults and the uh, spirituality of older adults and baby boomers. But um, in honor of Mr. Sinatra's birthday yesterday, here's a little Frank with Aretha Franklin. This should be pretty good. Once I could see, once I could feel, I'm numb and I become unreal. I walk the night.
What now, my love? What now, my love? Now that you've left me, how can I live? How can I live? Through another day, watching my dreams turning into ashes, and all of my hopes. Into bits of clay. Once I see, once I feel, now I am love and I become real. I walk through the night without a goal. Now my love. What now? What now? What now? What now? Now that it's over. What now? What now? What I feel the whole world yeah. falling all around me. But now, my love, now there is nothing, only my last, my last goodbye, my last goodbye. So I, I hope I should get you up. Um Anyway, Aretha and Frank Sinatra. Not a bad bridge between segment one and segment two on a beautiful day. And welcome back to today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio here on WWDB AM 860, streaming live on WWDBAM.com. And again, all these are archived as podcast on JewishSacredAging.com. And we welcome through the magic of technology, I hope, uh, Jerome Kerner to our second segment here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. Jerome, are you there? I am. Good hey, morning. great. It's always a pleasure to know that the electronic gods are, are working today. <laughs> However, wherever they are, welcome, welcome. Jerome, yeah. uh, involved with an organization called Saging, one of the, one of the premier organizations and, and really veteran organizations dealing with aspects of, um, Positive aging and aging specifically, uh, been around for many years. Zalman Sachter Shalomi is the founder of this, of Blessed Memory. Jerome, talk to me about what saging is. Well, first of all, let me correct, uh, a slight correction. It's Saging International. Say, oh, uh, excuse me, Saging International. Okay. And the website is uh, www.saging, which is S-A-G-E hyphen I-N-G dot org. Just so, uh, 
we get that uh, out of the way quickly. And I'll repeat it later, I guess. Yeah. So uh, I think Reb Zalman had uh, uh, a, a brilliant uh, image that he created, uh, which I think is the synchronon, the basis of uh, the saging work, and that is that uh, we tend to live in a box, as he called it, of unlived life. Uh, and to construct the box, uh, we build walls to uh, keep us from looking back at the past, at uh, disappointments, um, at uh, failures, uh, or what we presumed or perceived to be failures at that time. And then uh, another wall of the box is the wall that we build to keep away the fear of uh, the future, of diminishment of physical and uh, mental uh, capacities, etc. So the energy put into uh, building these walls uh, that keep us in this box is energy that we need to live in the moment and to be vital and uh, uh, be to, and to give our gifts uh, as uh, as service, uh, which, as I have found, uh, you know, brings many more rewards <laughs> than. Uh, uh, then you're actually uh, contributing. So uh, that was Solomon's uh, uh, main, I think, uh, greatest contribution, the sense of uh, living with no regrets and uh, and also not fearing the future, because what we fear is what we get, was, I think, one of the premises that uh, that he was, uh, he was uh, following. And uh, I would just like to read a uh, just a short piece uh, by uh, William Martin, uh, where he talks about uh, the sage traveling light. Youth can carry a heavy load day after day without noticing the damaging effects, but the sage must lay down the burden, resentments, regrets, injuries, slights, grudges, and disappointments are much too cumbersome for a person of wisdom and contentment. The sage must travel light. There is a backpack in the mind which over the years has become filled with rock and stones. You do not have to carry them anymore. You can empty your pack and carry only compassion from one day to the next. That's from uh, William Martin's uh, The Sages, Tao Te Ching. So, uh, Jerome, what is a sage? Well, uh, essentially, uh, uh, a sage is uh, uh, an, an elder. Uh, who essentially uh, has respect uh, and affirms the worth of self and others, uh, has uh, practices integrity by being genuine and, and true uh, to ourselves, uh, practices deep listening. I'd like to talk more about that uh, as we go on. Uh, practices inner calm, and, and uh, that comes from a sense of gratitude and uh, uh, we act and speak in nonviolent ways. Uh, is an elder who practices open communication by honoring mutuality in speech uh, with language that reflects accurate, clear information. Uh, an elder that is inclusive, that celebrates the rich diversity of, uh, of ethnicities. A lifelong learner with enduring curiosity and, and innovative creativity. Uh, a joyful person through deep acceptance of our lives and, you know, we remember to laugh. I think one of the greatest healers is laughing and uh, 
maintaining a sense of uh, of humor, keeping things in perspective. That's uh, another way. Um, and an elder, also uh, sage, has reverence for life, uh, which is really caring uh, for all living things and becoming a steward of uh, and. You know, we have a sense of uh, a greater perspective uh, and see the impact uh, of uh, of our ways on on the planet. And uh, it's, uh, a sage is also a, an elder that um, chooses to give one's gifts uh, as opposed to uh, shrinking back. Uh, there's a wonderful quote by Marie Williamson who sort of as a New Age guru, uh, where she says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in all of us. So, Jerome, the, the Sage International, Saging International, you, you're on the, you are on the board. I am um, a vice chair in, of 2017, yes. How, so talk to me real fast. Somebody is interested in this and in, in getting more involved. Do you have uh, meetings? Are there programs? Are there um, um, retreats? Uh, you know, how does one access this uh, in a meaningful way? Uh, are there chapters in various cities? Talk to me about how this is organized. Right. Well, in terms of organization, uh, there's uh, an executive committee, uh, of which I'm uh, the vice chair in 2017, and there's a coordinating circle, and uh, and various other uh, committees, such as education uh, and uh, service. And um, we, we have a, a membership of about uh, 3,500 uh Actually, globally, uh, we have uh, chapters in Israel, in Mexico, in uh, Brazil, uh, UK, uh, and of course uh, the United States. And uh, it's there is no central uh, uh, location per se. We have uh, in in um, in the U.S. So we have chat we have chapters in a number of cities, but not all uh, members belong uh, to chapters. Uh, they, uh, where they're encouraged to uh, create their own wisdom circles, as we call them, where uh, people would gather and uh, discuss uh, aspects of uh, that I've mentioned before, uh, aspects of saging that um, interest them. Uh, in their their uh, serve. Sort of like a, a book club, if you will, and right. uh, you know, create a topic and meet, meet once a month. So you're you're um, in New York. You're in, in. I'm in New York. New York. I mean, so you you were involved with the New York, let's say, say the New York City metropolitan New York area chapter. What? Just talk to me a little bit about what what that chapter sponsors or does. Uh, do you have a monthly meeting? Uh, you know, it, it's you know. How, well, how, what I'm 
I guess I'm not getting that point across. That the chapters uh, are not uh, universal. There are certain communities that have chapters. Others don't have chapters, and basically uh, tune into uh, the um, uh, central central station, so to speak. And there are webinars uh, that have just begun. Uh, I think we're just getting technologically uh, up to speed, offering uh, webinars on. Uh, subjects uh, uh, such as uh, forgiveness, uh, gratitude, uh, service, things of that nature that uh, people can tune into. Also on the website, uh, there's a resource list of uh, readings and also a wonderful workbook that was put together by uh, Reb Zalman and others uh, that uh, can be uh, used as, by individuals uh, to go through each of the uh, the key topics uh, uh, that and when I say key topics, uh, I should clarify that one of the things that we that we do is offer uh, a, a day-long program, and uh, it's called Awakening the Sage Within. Uh, that's a six-hour program, and uh, that's uh, advertised on the website uh, so that one could see if there's something coming up in their community. Uh, if a person were interested in con in continuing. Uh, more intensive learning, uh, they could actually uh, attend one of these workshops as a prerequisite for ongoing training and uh, and become a certified saging leader, uh, uh, which I am, uh, as well as being an officer in, of saging. Uh, we also offer uh, two-day programs referred, referred to as intensives, and there will be one coming up at the uh, Center for Applied Judaism in uh, in New York on May uh, 6th and 7th, that's uh, Saturday and, uh, and Sunday. Uh, that's also listed on the website, and one could register uh, for, that, uh, for that workshop. So it's, is it safe to say that the saging movement is more educational, uh, let's say, than advocacy-oriented? Well, uh, we, we have uh, alliances. Uh, for example, there's the... Um, Elder Climate Action uh, Group, which has spun off from uh, Saging International, that is an, uh, uh, a climate change advocacy group and has actually lobbied and uh, been part of the whole gray is green movement. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so they are uh, in the forefront of, of that, uh, that group. There's also the uh, uh, other uh, alliances that have been formed, uh, for example, another group called um, uh, the um, uh, Conscious Eldering uh, Center for Conscious Eldering, uh, run by Ron, Ron Pevney, P-E-V-N-Y. Uh, they're out of Durango, Colorado. He offers retreats uh, in uh, Ghost Ranch, uh, which I did. Uh, it was a six-day retreat. It's almost like a vision quest, really, where you're out in the desert uh, and reflecting on the issues uh, that, uh, such as uh, leaving a legacy, writing a legacy letter, right. an important part of our work, uh, so that you know you, you can uh, leave not just it's not a will, but it's leaving your uh, values, your philosophy. Right, your it's like an ethical will. Ethical will. Ethical okay. will. We're speaking with Jerome Kerner from Saging International here on this today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. 
We'll be back with Jerome uh, to follow up on some of these other issues that are pertinent to the Saging International Movement right after this message from our friends down the street at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall, a system of not-for-profit communities and services that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Kendall is committed to working with others as we together transform the experience of aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Welcome back to our second segment here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. This is your host, Richard Address, and we're coming to you again from the studios of WWDB AM 860 here in Greater Philadelphia and streaming live on WWDBAM.com. We're speaking uh, with Jerome Kerner uh, from the Saging International Movement uh, in this very, very uh, interesting movement, uh, several decades old now. Jerome, in your experience working with groups and working, you've gone through the training, uh, you're involved in creating programs and organizing uh, the Saging International Movement in, in where you live in the greater New York area. What are the greatest challenges that you feel um, those of us who are now boomers and moving through the, the cycle, what are the greatest challenges that we face? Well, I think one of the greatest challenges is overcoming the image of aging that has been uh, fed to us or and that many of us have bought into. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Betty Friedan wrote about it in in the late 70s in her book, The Fountain of Age, uh, where, you know, we've been sold a bill of goods. And we've also seen it in our experience. In our, our grandparents, uh, I'm, I'm 81 years of life experience, and uh when I look at myself compared to my granddad, uh, you know, it's, it's a world of difference. So the first thing we have to do is uh, uh, is uh, challenge the images that we've been uh, we've been given, and uh, you know, I believe what we perceive is what we get. And uh, if you perceive yourself as uh, as just a, another you know prescription uh, or someone who's faced with uh, adult diapers, well, that's what you might get. So that's the first challenge. Uh, the, the other is also to realize that you have a voice, and the voice that has uh, experience, and uh, traditionally, or through the ages, the, uh, and still in, traditionist culture, in indigenous cultures, the elder has a place in the circle and his voice, uh, her voice, are valued for its experience. Uh, it was perhaps more true in agrarian societies than uh, once we entered a uh, industrial societies when uh, productivity seemed to be the uh, the measure as opposed to uh, intelligence or experience. So we have to speak out and uh, give our uh, selves the opportunities to serve, whether it's on town boards, uh, on uh, as volunteers, or as mentors, um, and working with grandchildren. I think when we talk about um, concern for the environment and wanting to uh, make a difference, 
uh, one way is to get out there and march and, and uh, make sure that pipelines aren't put in the wrong place. But another way is to work with a grandchild and uh, take them out into the, uh, into the environment. Uh, uh, there's a wonderful uh, uh, book I just came across called What's, Up? What's Under That Rock, Papa? And it's by uh, Dave Bauer, who teaches uh, uh, up in the uh, University of Buffalo. And he gave a program at our recent conference uh, out in Colorado called "The Changing Circle: How to How We Need to How We Can Find uh, Our uh, Our Next Step. How What Are the By assess, Assessment of Our uh, Gifts and uh, Strengths." But his major interest is in protecting the environment, and one way is to get out there with our grandkids, and it, they'll they'll help us as well uh, explore and uh, find awe and wonder in in nature, which is, uh, so there's a synergy there between the uh, the generations. That's another major challenge that I think that we need to address as elders, and that is to um, to find that, uh, find ways to bridge the, the, uh, the generational divide. Uh, we, you know, we see seniors so isolated. Uh, I mean, places like Kendall do a wonderful job, but it would be nice if there were multi-generational uh, co-housing uh, as well. So that's another challenge that I think we need to, uh, uh, to face. Yeah, the challenge of uh, – we keep coming across this in, in a lot of the shows and a lot of people who you know, work in the field uh, from in facilities or, or whatever. We keep coming back to this concept of isolation and um, – with longevity and with people living so much longer and women outliving men um, and sometimes outliving, uh, you know, relatives and sometimes, you know, God forbid, children, there is this, uh, there is this isolation sense that really uh, doesn't seem to be being addressed on a social public policy level, which, you know, the, which opens the door to another question before we start running out of time that uh, goes to the advocacy concern. I mean, uh, yes, I know that, um, uh, as you mentioned before, the environmental spinoff of, of, of saging, but uh, given the potentials of what we may see in the next administration about uh, concerns about Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, um, reimbursements, uh, do you think this is a time that's emerging that the elder population, the baby boomer population, really will have a major social justice issue to rally again around, rally around, because it really will affect, it's going to affect every single one of us and, by extension, our children and possibly our grandchildren. This is major league stuff. Do you see this as a, do you see this as a real rallying cry for, um, for the older yeah. adult population? You know, I, I, I certainly think it is, and, and uh, like uh, like anything else, uh, to to get ready to uh, to get up to the bat and take take your uh, your swing, so to speak, using a baseball analogy. You know, you you have to uh, you have to practice, and part of the practice here is to f- find your strength uh, uh, and voice. And uh, one of the ways to do that, or the first way, you know, is to go through the process, uh, this arc of uh, uh, of uh, getting rid of baggage, of uh, having no regrets and no fear, and uh, and it's a it, it is a preparation uh, for giving service 
How is it a preparation? How is it a preparation? It may seem to me that you take so much time of doing that that you miss the opportunity to be active in something as opposed to just saying, here's something that's unjust. I have to be involved with writing this wrong, and I'll worry about the other stuff later. Well, the person that says that is is you know has a strong ego and uh has uh, the ability to uh, to step up to the plate as we say but uh, there are many others uh who uh, who are who are not who not ready mm-hmm. uh who have uh, f- felt a loss or, f- or fear of uh, uh they may not be standing up straight they may not walk with a with a steady gait and say well you know I'm I should I'm not going to get out there but we're not our, only our bodies, and that's the point here: is to find the inner strength through reflection and through uh, spiritual growth. And when we say spiritual growth, we talk about a deep personal relationship with self, with another in relationship, uh, with the community, and with the planet. Now, if you haven't got the first couple of those, that <laughs> deep personal reflection with self, you you know you you might be a little. Uh, uh, timid or unwilling to get out there and uh, and fight the fight. Uh, those that have it, great. They should get out there. But uh, we all need to, uh, uh, to uh, prepare and come from authenticity and come from strength and not from some kind of, uh, uh, you know, shallow uh, ego. Do you, find, do you find in your work with the Saging International Movement that there are people, that many older adults just – are afraid to, to, to really strip away all those deflector shields and come to grips with, with who they are? Do they, and are they still living too many times in the land of woulda, shoulda, coulda? Exactly. And again, it's buying into, uh, that, that sense, well, uh, that uh, the image of the, the, uh, older person as being aged and, uh, decrepit and, uh, irrelevant. And it's the relevancy that we need to uh, to buy is to is to uh, embrace, and also the strength of our experience. Now, if you look at all your experiences and say, "Oh boy, I failed here. I didn't do that. I should have done that. I regret not doing that." Well, then you're not ready to go out. But if you can look at those issues and recontextualize them, and say, "Well, you know, I didn't do that, but in, instead I did this, and here I am today." And so, you know, you you see things from the eyes of an eagle as opposed to the eyes of a mouse from a broader perspective. Mm-hmm. And we recontextualize and reframe these issues to find our inner strength. Jerome, we only have about a minute and a half left in this segment. Real fast, the uh, contact, electronic contact, email, website, what is it? Right. Uh, well, the Saging website is uh, saging, S-A-G-E hyphen I-N-G dot org. Uh, and um, I can be contacted uh, for for the East Coast uh, at uh, jkerner35 at optonline.net, and I'd uh, be happy to answer any further questions. And obviously, uh, we, membership is free, by the way. There is no fee, and uh, we welcome all. You know, somebody asked me, uh, when, is it, uh, when is it? Is it too soon for me to uh, to participate? And I said, well, you know, if you're going to climb. A mountain, uh, and you know how long it's going to take to get up there, or roughly, you know, uh, you don't want to start at uh, lunchtime. You want to start in the morning. <laughs> so, 
the longer you, another way of putting it is the longer you wait to, to, uh, to do this, so do this work, the steeper the ramp gets. Well, self-reflection is, is not everybody's, uh, uh, easy, easy task. Well, J- Jerome Kerner from Saging International, uh, thank you for reminding us that, um, uh, as we boomers begin to age, it's still the morning of our own creativity. So uh, that that's Thanks. pretty cool. Thank you very much, Jerome, for joining us and giving us some information about Saging International. And I uh, wish you uh, just have a great uh, holiday season. Take care of yourself. Continued success and good luck. And, again, thank you for joining us here on today's edition of a Boomer Generation Radio. Take care, Jerome. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. And to all of you, thank you for joining us. Um, we're going to be working and running around, work and travel for the next couple of weeks. So we'll have some encore shows, uh, sort of like our greatest hits from the last couple of months. We'll see you after the first of the year. Stay safe, everyone. Have a, a wonderful holiday season, no matter what you celebrate. And um, take care. Stay safe. <laughs>